0: This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.
1: You want to get married, but you want to get married. But like, you, you don't, you want to get married though. Okay, you don't want to get married, but like, you know, you know, you could be married.
0: Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.
1: I'm Brian Morris.
0: I'm Stacey Kulo.
1: We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows.
0: And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows.
1: So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go.
0: And this week we watch season four, episode 21 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, last week fights, this week tights.
1: As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Evil.
0: We're almost there, Brian.
1: Yeah, we're almost to the last one.
0: Which we're going to watch immediately when we're done. As
1: soon as we're done with this. I
0: almost let you trick me into watching it without recording. I, I just like, want to see it so bad. We can't let our thoughts be swayed. I know. We must be pure. I know. Which is why we're not having sex until this project is over.
1: I know. Let's finish. Please. Let's <laughs> finish this stuff.
0: Have we not mentioned that part?
1: <laughs> the whole show or just season four or what? Because I've been having sex with other people. I didn't know what you meant.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Just with each other. Right. We we can't let our thoughts be impure. Right,
1: exactly. (laughs) I know the rules, I follow them. But seeing Adam all season has got me riled up. Oh,
0: yeah. That weird hump in the back of his (laughs) neck. Love that.
1: His neck is messed up, and I love it.
0: What else have we been up to? There's a Lacroix shortage. That's been hard.
1: Yeah, so we like soda water. It we used to drink soda a lot. Like uh, some people probably say pop, like uh, Coca Cola. Like we used to drink that a lot when you were younger. You and guys familiar me- with soda? The concept? Well, I meant some people might think of pop. And anyway, we used to drink Coca Cola a lot. And at some point, we were like, oh, we should cut back on that. So we started buying soda water and I actually got really into it. We like it.
0: Yeah, we like all the LaCroix flavors.
1: Yeah, we really like LaCroix, but they just had a huge price increase. At
0: least at our grocery stores. Yeah. Specifically, I mean, the one we normally go to is like eight fifty or something. Yeah. They have it, like, permanently on sale, but it's still, like, more than it used to be not on sale.
1: Yeah, and it used to be on sale for, like, quite a bit, so we would just go and buy a ton Mm. and then just, like, you know, wait to the next sale to buy more.
0: They probably did it because of us.
1: Probably. Because we'd go, like, every day to get as many as you were able to.
0: Yeah. I just want to make it clear, I didn't used to drink a ton of Coca-Cola. You didn't? That was maybe a you thing. I drank a lot of soda growing up, but we were kind of a Pepsi family. Oh. And I didn't drink as much soda into adulthood as I think you did.
1: When we were first living together, we got soda.
0: Because you liked it. I never was buying Coke before we started dating.
1: Really? Yeah. I guess I don't remember.
0: I definitely, though, was drinking whiskey Coke as, like, my drink sometimes when we would
1: go out. Yeah.
0: Which is a lot of soda.
1: I'm not a big fan of whiskey Cokes. But I also used to do vodka Red Bulls.
0: Yeah, what is that shit?
1: Uh, I, that just like messed up my insides. I had to stop doing that at some point.
0: We actually have one of each Lacroix flavor stowed away. We're gonna do some kind of like ratings video, ranking our favorite flavors someday. That's a lot of Lacroix to drink in one sitting. Yeah, there's like twenty flavors.
1: So many calories.
0: No, there's none. Oh, that's right. I don't know how they do it. I don't understand soda water. How does it taste so
1: delicious? I don't know. But be zero calories. Every time you drink it, there's like a painting that gets fatter. That was a literature reference. Anyway.
0: But now we just drink wine, which transitions us delightfully to our next subject, Wink.com.
1: Wink.com is a service where you go to this website and they ask you, like, what kind of food do you like? And you tell them, like, Reese's Pieces and pizza. And they're like, cool, cool, cool. Here's a bunch of wines that fit your taste Palette, And then you send away for it and they send you wines they think that are going to work for what you like. And we've had a lot of success with them. I feel like a lot of the wines we've gotten from them are really quite good.
0: Mm -hmm. We're going to have one tonight. We are. We're saving a special one for our season finale viewing this evening.
1: If you guys want to get wine and try it out, you can for your first shipment of four wines for $29.95. Just make sure you use the promo code Gilmore Slayer when you check out.
0: Yes. And you can get there by clicking on the link in our
1: episode description.
0: But like Brian said, do be sure to use the promo code Gilmore Slayer at checkout so they know who sent you.
1: We sent you. Yes. We also have another five-star review.
0: We do. Thank you so much to anx 21 Thank you. Should we get into these episodes? Let's do it. Let's do it. Tell everyone what happened on last week fights, this week tights.
1: So this episode's all about Liz and TJ's wedding. hmm But it's also about the culmination of Luke's love books. Yeah. And some Lane stuff. And some Rory stuff. A lot of stuff. There's a lot going on in this episode.
0: We're setting up for the big shabow.
1: Is that the season finale? or was that Yeah, that's what it's called. The shabow. I, that, that might as well be a Gilmore title.
0: Yeah, as long as it's referenced in some other movie or TV show.
1: The episode opens with Kurt giving Ms. Patty grief for her inability to get the Banyan Boys to do the Maypole dance choreography correctly. The Banyan Boys, if you don't remember, were the town bad boys that we got introduced to this season, I think. They've stirred up all kinds of trouble for Kirk.
0: I double-checked, it is a different name given to these boys in the Firelight Festival episode. Oh, it is? I don't know if it's different boys, but they had a different name.
1: But they mentioned the Banyan boys, like...
0: In the Easter egg episode, yeah. yeah. I think Kirk specifically pissed that a different woman has been made the captain of the Maypole dance instead of him.
1: Because he's got experience doing it. He did, like, the choreography from Men with Small Hats. You know that... Song you know that he's talking about that, right? I do not. Really? That song? You can dance if you want to. Oh yeah, you yeah. You can yeah. leave your friends behind. The safety
0: dance. I don't know what you meant by men with small hats. I think that's
1: the name of the band. Hmm. Sorry, it's men without hats. I looked it up. Is that name without condoms or just not hats?
0: Hmm. Good question. Fun fact, the woman who is the dance captain is the wife of the actor who plays Luke IRL.
1: Oh. Lorelai eventually just tells Kirk that he should stop doing this because Miss Patty can and has kicked his ass before. (laughs) And he's all like, all right, all right, cool, cool. But also she sees Jess reading a punk magazine on a bench. But we see that he isn't reading a punk magazine. That's just his book beard. He's actually reading Luke's You're Not Alone Love workbook.
0: Well, well, well. Look who learned the term beard last episode. (laughs) I'm shocked he's reading it in public.
1: Yeah. At the end, Suki and Jackson are arguing strongly over vegetables with each other.
0: Oh, that's how they met.
1: Yeah, and at it, first it's like, oh, are they having a fight? But no, it's like a fun, like, oh, we're back in a road routine. It's like we used to do.
0: Yeah, the baby's all grown.
1: <laughs> yeah, the baby's not grown yet, but yeah. There's a really funny scene where Loreline is on the phone with Rory, and it takes a long time for her to notice that there's just a horse <laughs> standing in the middle of the inn. Cletus just walked in, I guess.
0: I know. I was like, I don't remember if she knows it's there the whole time. You're like, she must know, right?
1: Yeah, it's fun. She turns around and both Michelle and Suki both know it's there. They've known it's been there for like 25 minutes, but neither of them thought it was their job to deal with it.
0: Yeah, they just figured someone else was on it.
1: Yeah, but I just love that this horse like walked in and was like, I'm just going to stand here, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, did the horse get put there by someone or did it just wander in somehow and no one noticed?
1: But also, I feel like the horse, is it just allowed to go wherever it wants? Shouldn't it be in a pen? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Someone messed up. I blame Dean. Michelle didn't check enough references. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's a callback to last week's episode. It's funny. At Yale, Rory is really annoyed that everyone is so happy and partying because they're done with classes because she still has one last late final on Saturday. I've had that happen to me where I had like a late final. And it was like, everyone's excited except for me. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, I'm still not over it. It seems like it. Uh, Glenn is leaving to go back home, and he shows Rory a picture of his back-home girlfriend that he's getting back together with, and the girl looks like she's 12, according to Rory. <laughs> and Glenn's all like, he like grabs the photo back, and he's like, it's a photo from when she was younger. Don't make this into something it's not. She drives and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Glenn, you weirdo.
0: Rory's on the phone with Lorelai here, and Lorelai is like, I just want to talk to you about jazz. But she says, I have to tell you something about the J word. <laughs> I love when Rory's like, oh, man, not more about Jesus. <laughs>
1: All of Rory's roommates are moving out. Tana's boyfriend is there, and he's speaking in cliches, and Paris is weirdly going to miss Janet. Janet's all like, wait, what? Tana saved Rory a funky monkey, which is a mix of all the alcohol that was left over. She's going to have that after her uh, final, I guess. Tana also shows Rory a collage she made of all of her friends and she just keeps pointing out all the couples and all the photos of Rory alone (laughs) or with like a lamppost.
0: There's definitely two photos of Rory that are exactly the
1: same. Nope, there's way more. I uh, checked. There's a ton of duplicates.
0: They're all the same?
1: No, they're not all the same. There's just like a couple of Rory and they have those duplicates duplicated.
0: Okay. There's definitely at least two that are exactly the same photo.
1: There's, uh, yeah, but there's another couple that are exactly the same too. That's funny. I guess like you probably wouldn't know. I mean, we noticed it the first time through that we're like, that's the same photo. Mm-hmm. But the idea was she keeps being like, look at this couple, look at this couple. And there's Rory alone with a bench.
0: Question about Rory's drink. Like, she drinks it on a different day than this is does it just sit in the fridge in a solo
1: cup i mean that does sound gross it sounds very gross but i guess if they take all their food out of the fridge yeah spoilers she drinks it sorry guys paris makes a point of mentioning to rory that she's had like a long dry spell and she gives her asher's son's phone number he's newly divorced and he's on the prowl i guess
0: he must be much older than rory
1: yeah i guess so
0: he's got kids
1: yeah yeah Paris is being weird in this episode. For one, being like, you're defined by the fact that you are with or without somebody. And secondly, being like, you gotta date this much older man. But she heads off to Europe. Back in Star's Hollow, Lorelai stops by Mrs. Kim's to buy an antique door knocker for a gift for Liz's wedding. Is
0: it a gift or is it for the end?
1: Dude, I don't know, actually. I, th- I rewatched it and it, I after I wrote that down because that's what I assumed it was.
0: Yeah, I assumed it was for a gift at first, but I, I feel like that's a weird gift to assume someone would want.
1: Maybe it was for the end. It doesn't, it's not clear. There's some funny lines here because Mrs. Kim mentions something about it being a really big knocker and how it used to belong to one of the founding fathers, maybe. And Lorelai's all like, oh, yeah, the founding fathers all liked big knockers, I believe. And then she's like, oh, sorry, Mrs. Kim, I would explain that to you if I can. And Mrs. Kim's like, I get it. <laughs> it's a double entendre. I've lived here for a long time. I get things. But then Mrs. Kim is like, here's some of Lane's mail. Could you drop it off at Luke's next time you're over there? And Lorelai's like, oh, this is still happening. Could you maybe think you want to talk to your daughter? And Mrs. Kim's like, you know, this is none of your business. And Lorelai's like, okay, well, I'm not going to deliver your mail then. I think she says it kind of like, I want you to work this out with your daughter, so I'm not going to, like, help you be distant from her anymore.
0: Yeah, she's not, like, a bitch about it.
1: Right, right. But Mrs. Kim was like, cool, well, I'm charging you a bunch of extra money for the wrapping I just did on this (laughs) knock. (laughs) Yeah. At Luke's diner, Luke is trying to cook giant turkey legs for the Renaissance wedding because the turkey leg guy violated his parole, apparently. So he's stuck trying to do this. So he keeps being like, is this right? I don't know. While he's doing this, Liz is like, I don't know, she is sort of having her bachelorette party, I guess.
0: Yeah, this, this is probably phase one. Just sodas it, Luke's. They said they're on their way to a spa or something.
1: Liz is there and Carrie's there and Carrie's already drinking. She's got like a little flask. Carrie's funny because uh, she's obsessed with Luke and just men in general. She's funny because she's like bad-mouthing men here, which is like, whatever, it's cool. But she's all like, men are only good for one thing. But I was like, you like that thing a lot. You're constantly trying to get that thing. You seem to like men a lot.
0: She says they're not even good at that one thing.
1: Yeah, and then immediately he's all like, Luke, what's going on? i suck your dick. Like,
0: Show us your turkey leg.
1: Yeah, totally. I
0: have no memory of the character of Carrie.
1: She has no memory of anything. <laughs> she,
0: she shows up way more than I remember, yeah. which was at
1: all. Well, she's sitting there. They're having a good time. And then like this guy stops by to drop off a package, a very important package for Liz.
0: He's a very hot delivery man.
1: I mean, it's clear what's happening <laughs> immediately. Well, clear to everybody. Even Jess is like, uh, have a good time, Luke, and like walks out the door. <laughs> Luke is still like, but I don't need a package. What? Huh? And then the guy just, like, rips his clothes off. He's clearly a stripper. The package is a boombox and his package. Ooh. And then he just starts stripping and dancing just right there in Luke's, which has windows everywhere out into, like, the center of the town.
0: He looks good.
1: But also windows right into Dozie's candy store. That's true. Where the elderly go to sit. <laughs> There's no way Dozie is not going to be over there upset about permits or something. Like, you know what? Maybe Dozie was fine with it.
0: We don't know enough about
1: Dosie to know. Yeah, yeah, Maybe he was fine with it. I don't know. I
0: would guess he's fine with it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Normally, you'd think he'd just, like, storm over, but he did not.
0: Speaking of Dosey.
1: Jess, on his way out, heads over to Dosie's grocery store, where Kirk is working, of course. Uh, It was funny. Earlier, Lorelai actually called him out, not to his face, but talking to someone else. She's like, yeah, Kirk's got, like, 40 jobs. Yeah. Well, Kirk is checking Dean out, and Jess is waiting in line behind Dean. This this scene is like twenty seconds. Yeah. Uh, it's just like weird. Th- I think it's just to show like tension between both of them or something. I don't know. Actually, I kinda have a lot to say about this twenty second scene.
0: It's very not tense though. Just just silently let this happen. Kirk's like loudly announcing everything that Dean's buying. <laughs>
1: and it's all women's stuff. It's all stuff for his wife. It's like antiperspirant and like
0: body wash.
1: Yeah, but like stuff for his wife. And, you know, Dean even says, like, it's for my wife.
0: Kirk has, like, a comment on everything. Yeah,
1: he's <laughs> like, like, this is good. you going to stay dry?
0: bonds really good for plugging your holes, I
1: hear. Nah, that was not a line from the show.
0: But it could have been.
1: <laughs> could have been. Really good for plugging your holes. I didn't say that line. Well, I mean, I just did, but I was repeating. Oh, you stage. canceled. While the two are there, like I said, Dean sort of says, like, this is for my wife. But they don't really speak. They do, like, share a few looks. And Dean, at the end, sort of seems like he kind of angrily leaves. But what's interesting about this scene, okay, is that Dean is doing something nice for his wife right now, okay? Okay. He's buying a bunch of stuff for her, stuff that you could theoretically say are embarrassing for him to buy. Not really, but, like, he seems a little embarrassed the fact that he's, like, saying to gesture for his wife.
0: It's absolutely all stuff I wouldn't want you to pick out for me.
1: Right, but Lindsay's at home busy doing nothing, so... She needs Dean to do this for her. Anyway, so Dean is doing something really nice for his wife. The sort of, like, Boy Scout chivalrous stuff that Jess would routinely mock Dean for back in season two. And Jess kind of gives him, like, a little smirk in this scene. Which might be in line with that thinking of, like, oh, huh like, you're having a woman trample over you, do everything for a woman. But Jess has also been reading that, like, love workbook stuff, and maybe this scene is more than that. Maybe he's seeing Dean doing acts of service for his girlfriend, and maybe he's seeing how that's an admirable trait and not something to condescend to. Interesting. Or what if it's a mix? Maybe seeing this is bringing back those old feelings of superiority, and now he's struggling with which worldview he agrees with. Oh, my God. Or, 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 or the scene was just to let us know that there's some tension brewing between these guys.
0: Could be all of that.
1: I like to think that, like, a little bit of him is like, oh, he's uh, fucking doing everything for a girl, lying down on the ground, let him walk all over him. But then, like, maybe a little bit of him is like, well, maybe it isn't that bad.
0: Right, because, I mean, he doesn't give him any kind of shit, really.
1: No, he doesn't. I know you guys are curious, so I'll let you know right now. Friday night dinner is happening this week. Thank God. But Richard is uh, away on a trip, working somewhere unclear. That's uh, common. Philadelphia, let's say. <laughs> Lorelai uh, just keeps absolutely grilling Emily about where Richard is and why she's listening to like different music that Richard doesn't normally like or f- having some food for dinner that Richard doesn't normally like, essentially just trying to break her mom into admitting that she's staying at a hotel and having marital problems. Emily, meanwhile, is grilling Rory about her love life at Yale and her specific plans right after her final on Saturday.
0: I love when Emily's like, you don't have a boyfriend, do you, Rory? And Lorelai's like, why do you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was super funny. Her questioning about Rory's plans sounds super suspicious because she's all like, so you're going to be at your dorm and free right after your final? Mm -hmm. Oh, I just want to know that you're free so I can be thinking of you right at that moment. Like, what? You need to know (laughs) she's free to think about her? This is all a ruse, though, so Emily knows she can just stop by Rory's dorm and she'll be there, which she does Saturday after the final with a suitor in tow. Yeah, she brings the son of a friend on her alumni committee. This guy's name is Graham. They keep referring to the fact that she saw him in diapers at some point, which is super embarrassing to him.
0: I hate the way she says Graham. She pronounces every letter in it so hard. Yeah. Graham.
1: This takes Rory uh, very much by surprise. She's listening to music while packing up and also drinking her Funky Monkey, so she's a little tipsy and also like trying to hide that. She tells her mom, like, I'm just having some lemonade. And her grandma. <laughs> yeah, her grandmother.
0: I thought this was going to go somewhere different. Yeah? Not different, but I, I would have liked to see them make a bigger deal out of the fact that Rory was drinking and had to have a conversation with her grandma.
1: Oh, sure. Well, Graham comes in and you know, says hi to her and then immediately tells Rory while well, Emily's looking the other way like, hey, do uh, you have alcohol in your breath? Be careful. But really, the scene is not that long and Emily leaves like immediately. So yeah, it could have been a fun scene of her like trying to hide it more. But she like thanks her grandma like, thank you, in the side of her mouth. But Graham says that he also had a Saturday final and he and some friends are going out that Saturday. Emily sort of just like invites Rory to that. She's like, Graham was telling me all about this thing and he said you could go. Do you want to go, Rory? God, Emily could be so goddamn manipulative and pushy. And then Emily leaves, and Graham kind of hangs out. And he seems cool. He offers to help her pack stuff up. No, he just
0: starts packing her stuff. Like, he starts taping up a box. I'm like, you don't know what she's done with that box, dude. That
1: is true. You're absolutely right.
0: That was like a big red flag for me. Like, get out of here. You don't pack a
1: stranger's stuff. But don't you feel like the show is trying to make us think he's cool?
0: I guess. I just, I, I, I don't know. She seemed grateful, so yeah.
1: I totally agree with you. I actually thought it was a little weird, too. He just starts, like, taping something up. I'm just like, what if she needs that? Yeah. But he seems cool because he's, like, offering to help her. He, you know, gave her the heads up on the down low about the alcohol breath. He also makes a couple jokes about Emily setting them up and being in diapers. So he seems, like, maybe a little funny. And he also stresses that this, like, hangout is really low pressure, you know, and it would be fun if she came, but it's just casual. So I feel like we're led to believe, like, oh, this guy seems cool. And there's just, like, the possibility of a little flirting here. It does seem like she wants to go. Yeah. Uh, He's not going to be cool. I know. Spoilers, guys. (laughs) Meanwhile, at Luke's apartment, Luke, Jess, and TJ are all getting dressed for the wedding. It's funny because they're all dressed so differently, like different levels of commitment to this wedding. Oh, yeah. TJ is going full medieval, okay? Like, he's wearing tights. Later, he's going to have a sword. Luke wouldn't dress up like that, but he is going to go so far as to wear a suit and a tie, which is very unlike Luke. He's even going to shine his shoes. And then Jess is just going to be there. (laughs) He's not going to wear his leather jacket, I guess.
0: Yeah, he's wearing like a short sleeve cream. Button up
1: casual shirt. It's
0: like slightly nicer than he would normally dress.
1: Yeah. TJ, by the way, is just in love with his tights. He comes out of the bathroom, just the tights on. He's just singing the praises of these tights. It's the
0: title of the episode.
1: Yeah, uh, he loves them. Or air pants, as I call them now. It's also funny when he's walking around the apartment, it's funny like how like uncomfortable he's making Luke and Jess. They clearly have some like masculinity homophobia issues. Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. TJ uses Luke's deodorant and like Jess throws it away for Luke, and Luke's like, yeah, like fuck. <laughs> Touched his armpits. I can't be around it. But, like, TJ, surprisingly, is the most progressive one in this scene. (laughs) He's, like, talking about shoe polish, and he's like, you know, those queer eye guys think you gotta be like this, and they're all like, what? Yeah. I'm like, am I team TJ now? I don't mind TJ. Jess also is like, can you get dressed? (laughs) Like, you're making me uncomfortable. There is, like, a, a kind of an interesting part here, though, where, like, Jess and Luke just really seem to be getting along. Like, sure, they, like, rib each other and, like, judge each other out loud. But, like, Jess seems, like, sincerely nice and helpful in this scene. Like, specifically, he helps Luke pick out a tie. And, like, later he mentions it again. And I feel like he's like, no, you're going to look good in that tie.
0: That's nice.
1: Yeah, it is nice. This is, like, the first scene in this episode, which I think we're like, oh, maybe Jess is changing? I have a theory, though. Chris had to come back a third time before he was changed. So I think Jess has to come back a third time before he's changed. This is the third time. Yeah, but I mean, like, come back into Rory's life. Okay. When Luke leaves, Lorelai meets him outside the restaurant. She is dressed in Renaissance garb.
0: She's got a flower thing on. Her dress is pretty normal.
1: Sure. Is it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah,
0: because when they get seated at the wedding, TJ's brother, like, makes fun of them for dressing normal. You're right.
1: I thought she was mostly making fun of Luke, but you're right. Yeah, she just has mostly the hair thing going on, and she's speaking in, like, renaissance Ease, I guess. Okay, so this is super important. I'm sorry, but I want to talk about it because it's a little weird. At the end of the last episode, Luke made a point of saying that he would meet her at her place and they'd walk over to the wedding together, but she meets him at his place in this episode and they walk over.
0: I was expecting him to be like, hey, what are you doing here? I was going to pick you up. Right. And I think that would have kind of fixed it.
1: It's not like it matters. It's inconsequential, right? But it's like a weird choice that they wrote that into the script at the very end of the last episode. Yeah. And then they were like, yeah, but then she meets him over there. Why? Do you not remember what you wrote in the last script? Right. It was like the last, like two lines.
0: I guess by him saying that in the last episode, it made it like, oh, by the way, this is a date. Right. Like, I'm picking you up. So I get why they wanted to put it in, but then it's like, well, just throw that in this episode or justify why she didn't do that.
1: She could have just had the line like, oh, I decided I'd meet you here. That would have been enough. hmm It just, it was like weird to change that. I don't know why. Anyway.
0: It was weird because it was like a huge thing they pointed out.
1: Lorelai tells Luke that he looks nice and she likes his tie. But Luke is all like, you look beautiful. And she's all like, flattery will get you everywhere, friend. And she's speaking renaissancees here. But I do think that was an intentional writing choice by her saying friend. Because for her, this is not really a date date yet. Sure. This is just her going out with her friend Luke to do a thing. So I think that was an intentional word choice by the writers. The wedding itself is very Renaissance. There's trumpets and minstrels and people with swords and jesters that do flips and juggle. I like it.
0: You do? Yeah, it's cool. It's very nice.
1: Carrie shows up lusting hard after Luke. I mean hard. She like leans over to show her cleavage and mentions how her husband stayed home. And when he mentions that she doesn't dance, she's like, you will dance.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't dance, he says.
1: Lorelei says, like, one thing and immediately carries, like, I, like, clearly hates her. <laughs> like, I didn't pick up on that. Oh, it's clear she's, like, you're an obstacle for me. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't, like, make Lorelai pretend to be in a relationship with him like she just did to him the other day to, like, ward off that poultry half-man.
0: That's true. But she might know enough to know that they're not in a relationship. She lives here.
1: Yeah, that's true. Carrie mentions that the wedding is behind schedule because Liz ripped part of her dress and she needs to fix it. Carrie is supposed to spread the message. Luke is like, well, then spread it. The message, the message. (laughs) I thought that was a bit of a, like, leap for a joke. Yeah. I was like, obviously doesn't mean, like, spread your legs.
0: But, you know, he needed to be sure she knew that. Yeah,
1: Carrie would have. Then Carrie sees the guy with the codpiece and Lorelai's like, I'm going to go help Liz fix her dress.
0: Which is not white, in the last episode, Liz is like, I'm wearing a white dress, and Luke's
1: like, really? Well, she probably left the dress at Lorelei's house, and no one went over there, so it never got picked up. Yeah,
0: but it's, like, so off-white.
1: Yeah, it is weird. Like, did two different people write these scripts? Possibly. It's like whoever wrote this episode just, like, skimmed the last episode script. We got the beats, Jess is back in town, he's into love now, got it.
0: I don't remember what it says at the top of the episode, but quickly looking at IMDb, they both co-wrote both of these last episodes, Amy and her husband.
1: Yeah, well, it, it's weird that the episodes don't jive.
0: Maybe they were fighting.
1: Yeah, maybe. They actually split it up. This is like the second big detail they got wrong from the previous episode.
0: Maybe they just have a loose definition of white. <laughs> and where Lorelei's house is. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, Well, while Lorelai's working on the dress, Jess stops in to check on Liz and obviously feels weird around Lorelei, especially when Liz asks if he broke Rory's heart. And he's all like, oh, well, uh, mm, uh. but Lorelei's actually like super cool about it. She's like, oh, no, it it just didn't work out. I mean, she might have been doing that just for Liz's benefit. She's like, I don't need to make it weird. Cause... That's true.
0: Like, why make her in a mood right now?
1: Yeah, it's your wedding. But also, it felt to me like she was like, we're not going to make a big thing about that anymore.
0: Yeah, like a bit of a peace offering to Jess.
1: Yeah. However, uh, when he leaves, he leaves his bag behind, and Lorelai notices his You Deserve Love book, which, by the way, is an enormous book. Huge it's mistake. So, is it in Braille? It's so big.
0: I don't know what you're thinking, Jess. Close the backpack, at least. Tuck yeah. it under something. Put the magazine around it. What are you doing?
1: Yeah. Also, during this conversation, I feel like Liz is like super pushy to Lorelai about getting married. <laughs> She's like you've been married, you wanna get married, but you wanna get married. But like you, you don't you wanna get married though. Okay, you don't wanna get married, but like you know, you know, you could be married. Both conversations these two women have had have been weird. And she's twice said, she said this in a previous episode, she said in this one about like, oh, that she'd make somebody a wonderful sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we get it. You want her to be with Luke. <laughs> yeah. Did
0: she say that in the last one? It seemed like I'd maybe heard she that before. She said
1: that in, not the last one, but the one where she like walks, like meets Lorelai the first she time. She
0: thought maybe Lorelai was Luke's wife.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that one was like, okay. This one is like, okay, we get it.
0: It's funny how her and Miss Patty, though, have both been married like multiple times and just were like, casually dropping that a yeah. bunch.
1: Yeah. It's also a funny bit where Liz mentions all her good partners mm-hmm. who are dead or gone for different reasons.
0: This is the first wedding she's sober for. Yeah.
1: Back of the wedding, TJ cannot stop talking about how great his tights are. He loves them and how they support his boys, and he wants everyone at the wedding to know, apparently. Jess does walk his mom down the aisle. It's sweet. The minister is Troubadour 2. Do you guys remember him? There was the original Troubadour, which we haven't seen in a while.
0: Mm, not since he was Judas.
1: But the second Troubadour, also the guy who was like the alternative grocery cart man.
0: I buy that he hangs with this crowd. Oh,
1: for sure. He's like the minister, and he's got like a weird song about sharing love. He sings for a while. While all of this is happening, Luke and Lorelai can like barely keep their shit together and not laugh. It's and-
0: so weird. <laughs> Like, lists all these childhood toys and stuff.
1: Yeah, the song? Yeah. yeah. I was like, we played Yahtzee. Like, what the fuck are you singing, man?
0: It was funny. Jez is laughing, too. It was, it was cute the way all three of them were just, like, laughing through this whole song.
1: But the funniest thing, honestly, has to be during the vows, <laughs> Liz goes to say her vows to TJ. And she says, TJ. Like, you start a vow? She's like, TJ. And then he just turns to her and is like, yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking funny i can't it's so funny yeah <laughs> like like he's been drunk at a bar and she's telling him it's time to go or something calling his name like tj yeah what huh what's going on so funny he uh you know he loves tights but they don't have pockets so he doesn't have vows but he says he loves her and Lorelai and Lou like it they, they're like this part's not funny it was sweet yeah
0: Liz has these really nice vows, and then the minister's like, "Nice." Yeah,
1: I know. He's like, "Nice." <laughs> the rest of the wedding is also uh, very fun. We keep coming back to it several times. Like Jess is sat next to this huge dude that's just constantly talking about the skills prison taught him. She's like, "Laundry, laundry's a skill. Wash six hundred men's underwear. That that's work. I'd add fabric softener for cigarettes." <laughs> Jess is just like, "Cool, man. Cool." At some point, Jess gets up to get some more food, and Liz says, like, hey, don't you dare leave without saying goodbye. And he's like, oh, no, I'm, j- I'm just getting food. I promise. And it's another moment where you're like, oh, I believe him. Mm-hmm. Like, He's going to be cool. <laughs> like, he's not just going to fucking ghost. Lorelai eventually tells Luke about Jess's book and starts making fun of it, which offends Luke. It's funny because he keeps trying to pretend he's never heard of the book while simultaneously being really defensive about it. Mm -hmm. But eventually he maybe gets, like, too defensive and, like, gets up to go grab a drink, but then later apologizes to Lorelai. Still, she thinks that he's defending Jess trying to better himself. So she doesn't realize that, you know, he's also read these books. Right. Right. And I think maybe there was some of that, to that argument. So she's all like, can't believe Jess is reading this? And he's all like, you know, it's better that he's trying. And obviously Luke is talking about himself, but I think he is talking a little bit about Jess. Like, Jess is trying.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Then Luke really surprises Lorelai by asking her if she would like to dance. She's like, but you said you don't dance. And he's like, I'm a compulsive liar. She's like completely nonplussed, doesn't know what to say or do, but she agrees to do it. And the dance is like, nice. It's, like, really nice.
0: This is a big uh, moment in the show. Yeah? It's very beloved.
1: I would say it's even romantic.
0: It's pretty romantic. They keep getting closer.
1: Yeah. She's scooching on over to his shoulder a bit. It's it's a nice scene, and the dance is nice, and they're very close together. Afterwards, the two are walking home talking about scenes we didn't get to see, like TJ throwing his tights instead of Liz's garter. I thought that was really funny.
0: Yeah, apparently Carrie made out with, like, three different men, including her husband and the
1: minister. Yeah. <laughs> she made out with, like, everybody. But Lorelai's going over her favorite things, and she says her favorite part is probably the dance with Luke. Ooh. She seems really happy. Both of them seem, like, kind of content here. She's about to go inside when Luke asks if she wants to do something next week. Maybe go to a movie. She says, well, you're not a big movie guy. And he's like, I know you like movies, so, you know, I could be a movie guy. Lorelai is, like, shocked and kind of, like, not sure what to say here. She agrees, and when he starts to walk away, I think she, like, puts it all together. Because she gives Luke's back a, like, well, what do you know kind of look. Yeah. Like, what just happened? Did I just get asked out on a date by Luke Danes? That's nice. When Luke gets home, Jess is packing up. Usually this is the scene where he, like, catches Jess is packing up, and he's like, I'm leaving. I've abandoned everything. But Jess actually said that he was hanging out until Luke got back because he wanted to say goodbye to him. He also made a point of saying that he did say goodbye to his mother. Everything's good there. And he gave his mother his new cell phone number, and he's also written it down for Luke. Jess says he wants to pay Luke back for all the money he's given him for, like, his car and different stuff. And, 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 and... And? He tells Luke he appreciates everything Luke's done for him. Mm. Luke's like, yeah, yeah, I know. But then Jess is like, yeah, but in a relationship, any relationship, it's important to let the other person know that you appreciate them so you don't create barriers that delay any hope for reciprocation. Stuff, obviously, he got from that book.
0: But he knows that Luke knows that.
1: Well, yeah, but then Luke is like, oh, you're hoping for reciprocation? Well, you got it. I'm here for you, man, always. Ooh. And then they hug. This scene is fucking great.
0: Yeah, because like, Jazz goes in for a handshake, but then Luke pulls him in for a hug, and yeah. Jess is like, okay. Yeah. It's time.
1: Yeah. It's great because they're both like very macho dudes. They're very like, I mean, the scene with TJ sort of tells you that, right? That they're just like, oh, like showing emotion and affection is like weakness. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's disgusting. But then in this scene, it's like, okay, but we do love each other and respect each other.
0: Yeah. And then Jess asked him if the tie worked out. Yep. You mentioned that before, but I think that was his way of being like, did it work out with Lorelai?
1: Oh. I mean, do you think he knew?
0: Yeah, he saw them there together.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: They were clearly there together. Yeah. I mean, they've read the same book. I can assume that Jess maybe knew he asked her to go i
1: didn't even think about that that makes sense because
0: he says like yeah the tie went great
1: great insight stacy Kulo.
0: that's my middle name stacy Kulo.
1: <laughs> what
0: my name is stacy stacy Kulo Kulo. did you not know
1: stacy stacy Kulo Kulo. yeah it's weird because the 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 Kulos are not spelled the same uh anyway like i said this scene was great i loved it super emotional it's so good to i mean i just want luke to have a little bit of love I feel like the guy doesn't have it anywhere. I mean, he gets it from his sister now, but that's new, too.
0: Mm -hmm. They're cute together. Yeah. Jess and Luke.
1: And I'm glad Jess has, like, a win here as far as mending his relationship with Luke. Because, well, there's more in this episode. Mm -hmm. Other stuff is happening in this episode. For instance, at some point, Lane's aunt just stops by her apartment to deliver her mail. But she also delivers a message to Lane from Mrs. Kim. It's all very formal and very transactional. She's like, here are three times this week where your mother can stop by to visit you. If they do not work, she will provide three more. If those do not work, she will rescind her offer. Then the lady just, like, leaves.
0: <laughs> like, do you want to come in? She's like, no. No.
1: <laughs> She's the same woman that was, like, talking to her daughter. She's like, step away from Lay." Yeah. So Mrs. Kim does stop by. She's brought extra chunky multigrain soy pudding. Sounds super fucking gross. She uh, I said
0: Lane likes it.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's not going to say to her mom, like, I hate this. But you're right. She said she said she likes the extra junkie. But Lane was like, oh, I'm sure we'll like it. The will, wheel, wheel didn't uh, sit right with Mrs. Kim. She's like, we? Lane has done her best to prep her apartment for her mom's visit.
0: I think she could have left the devil pitchfork off the wall.
1: Is there a devil pitchfork <laughs> yeah, on like the
0: above wall? the oven. It's oh like a plastic
1: devil pitchfork. I did not notice that. That's like for sure a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. What? And the upside down cross and the uh, pentagram on the ground. Well, I mean, she went out of her way, I guess, as far as we could tell, other than that. Like, she's got the boys to dress up really nice and, like, wear ties. And, like, they say stuff like, we sleep eight hours a night. Yeah.
0: They're, like, stupidly proper acting.
1: Yeah, doing their best. They're like, what kind of tea would you like? We have an assortment. But as soon as Mrs. Kim sees the boy roommates, she essentially starts having, like, a mini panic attack. Uh, And I just want to say that the actress that plays Mrs. Cam once again does an amazing job of appearing discombobulated in this scene. She's very funny. She, like, stumbles through the apartment tour while hyperventilating, like, expertly. Like, I, I feel like it sounds like I'm joking, but I just, she's so good. I She is. And it's weird because you're supposed to kind of hate her character, but the actress does a great job, man. She really does.
0: I mean, she's, like, one of the most serious characters, but she's also probably one of the consistently funny characters. Oh,
1: for sure. Yeah.
0: She's generally only there for comedy. Emotion with Lane sometimes.
1: Well, Lane, like, takes her through the apartment, and she just, like, kind of sees, like, the broken window and stuff, and then she just, like, runs out the front door. <laughs> Full breakdown panic, just doesn't say anything. She just leaves. So she runs to the wedding to find Lorelai, and she starts just, like, stammering things out, like, there were boys, two boys, one with hair, <laughs> and there was broken furniture and broken window and boys and guitars and boys. Lane just stood there alone in the room with two boys. I didn't stand alone in a room with two boys until I was, I've never done this. <laughs> All this so is so funny. Lorelei like tries to calm her down. She's like, hey, you know, this is nice. Lane was trying to be upfront with you. She wasn't hiding the fact that she's got boy roommates. And I've met these guys, they're not bad guys. They're innocent kids who wanna support her and take care of her. You should just think of them as girls. Even though Mrs. Kim hates girls, she does hate girls slightly less than boys. <laughs> So she gets herself back together and she goes back. The boys redo their ties, and when she enters, she just says, This will clean up, window will be fixed, temporary fridge, and you two are girls.
0: I love when they stand up, they like fix their ties in unison, like spin around in unison.
1: Yeah. I love when they're just like, Okay, we're girls, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And then they go get tea for her.
0: Lane said this was
1: important. It is funny, though, because I feel like those guys are, like, really, like, lazy, and they'll do nothing, and, like, irresponsible, but, like, I'm sure Lane stressed how important this was, and Lane is, like, the only thing keeping them together, so.
0: Yeah, they do seem to care about Lane. Yeah, I agree. They gave her that whole shelf.
1: Yeah. We don't get to see uh, what happens after this meeting, but maybe we will next time.
0: Yeah, Mrs. Kim seems excited to be there now.
1: Yeah, or at least happy to see her daughter, right? Mm -hmm. Rory, on the other hand, has a meeting slash date that's not going great. When we catch up with her, she's sitting alone at a table with a full beer while Graham, a.k.a. Diaper Boy, is hanging with his guy friends, totally broing out, talking about sports very loudly.
0: It's like the beer bad bros.
1: Yeah, I know. They're just, like, yelling at each other, essentially. Graham, we find out, is just a total douche. Like, at some point, he goes over to Rory, and he's like, you're not drinking. And she's like, yeah, I don't really know if I really want to drink. I don't drink that much. He's like, oh, too bad. She's like, you gotta go back and hang out with your boys? And he's like... Not if things are going to start heating up over here. And she's like, yeah, I wouldn't count on it. Like, fuck this dude, man. I hate him. I told you
0: that him packing was a red flag.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I, have to agree with you. I missed that flag, and uh, he's garbage. I just feel like if I was on a date with a girl, I would be spending all the time with her, right? Like, even from a selfish point of view, don't you want to be, like, trying to talk this girl up?
0: Yeah, it definitely was pitched as a group date.
1: I agree. I just... It's just Rory's a prize to be won, and I feel like you got to put in the effort. (laughs) Yeah. Rory's great.
0: Are you in love with Rory?
1: Rory's fantastic, okay? She's smart. She cares about other people. She's pretty, too. Yeah. I'm just saying she's the full package.
0: She's also much younger than you, or older than you, depending on how you look at it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's also fictional, so there's a lot of different things happening. She's
0: got enough suitors
1: already. Yeah, she does. But it turns out that Graham is a bad one.
0: Well, Emily and Richard don't have the best track record of matchmaking. <laughs> Remember that guy that they brought to dinner for Lorelai
1: and she jumped out the window? This is a secret, but they're also uh, responsible for that chicken man.
0: <laughs> yes, they <laughs> sent him to Suki. <laughs>
1: yeah, they were like, did you kill your wife? No. Okay. Like I said, Graham's a total douche. He's trying to like get Rory to have fun because she's not. And at some point he's like, you know what, you need to lighten up. Which is a phrase that, you know, girls love. I usually like to say that to women on the train who are wearing headphones right before I tell them that they should smile more. Jesus.
0: <laughs> yep. Stuff
1: women love, you know what I mean? That's how we met. <laughs> hey, take your headphones off. You to lighten up and also smile more.
0: Marry me.
1: After the podcast. <laughs> podcast? What are you talking about? Shut
0: up! Is that your impression of me? <laughs> Why was I so mad? That's how you sounded.
1: You you had been speaking loudly because your headphones were loud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so Graham essentially is like, Well, we're going to another bar. Let's go. And she's like, We're going to another bar. Wait, I haven't even finished my drink. And how are we going to get to this other bar? And then, like, he's like, Well, my friend's going to drive. And he literally says, My friend is like the best drunk driver in Connecticut.
0: Well, then it's fine.
1: Oh my God. What? What? No. Rory decides to call it a night, uh, but realizes she doesn't have any, like, cash on her, so she can't get a cab, which I don't really understand. Did cabs not take credit cards?
0: Apparently the food court didn't take credit cards in the mall episode.
1: That's so weird. I mean, it was a different time, but, like, I feel like you could call a taxi company and, like, pay there, with a, like, call them and do it over the phone. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the credit cards weren't as ubiquitous at that time. So she's sort of like, oh, what am I going to do? Well, first off, Graham does offer to, like, drive her home. She's like, you didn't drive us here. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I buy you a cab or something? She's like, no. And he's like, well, I feel bad. Like It's like having an emotion for the first time. And she's like, you don't need to. And then he's like, cool, cool, good. I don't have bad feelings anymore. So Rory's stuck there. She doesn't know what to do. So she makes a phone call to somebody. She's like, Oh, I didn't know who else to call. I need help. We know it's Dean.
0: I was going to say, Did you know? There's, there's n- I don't know who else it would be.
1: There's, of course it's Dean.
0: If it was her mom, it wouldn't have been like, Who is it?
1: Yeah. If it was her mom, they would have shown us. She doesn't have Jess's phone number. They already suggested that earlier.
0: Right. Richard? I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Grandpa, I need your help. Listen, I know you're alone right now.
0: And that you're in Philadelphia, <laughs> allegedly.
1: Sure enough, Dean shows up in the next scene. She tells him all about Diaper Boy and how she hasn't eaten all day. And he's like, well, let's eat now. And she's like, well, I don't have any money. And he's like, well, I have money. And I'm thinking, do you, Dean? I thought your whole thing right now is that you were saving as much money as you can.
0: Well, some of that's for Rory.
1: (laughs) Yeah, some of that money's for Rory. That's hilarious. Uh, Maybe that's why Lindsay's mad. You work all these extra hours and you put all the money in a jar called for Rory.
0: I told you, if I had the opportunity to pick up extra hours for Rory, I was going to.
1: (laughs) So they're going to order, and then they realize that Graham left his tab open. So then Rory's like, well, we're going to order a bunch of food. I get that this is, like, poetic justice in the show, but, like, part of me is like, that's still not cool. Cause yeah. Because she starts ordering, like, a bunch of expensive appetizers. I'm like, I mean, the guy actually did offer to pay to get you home. So as much as he's, like, a douche person, like, is it okay to rob him? Yeah, he didn't really wrong her. She just didn't have a good time. Yeah, he was socially shitty to her but she could have steal from him
0: she could have found someone else at the bar to talk to it wasn't like
1: yeah especially because he did try to get her home again Graham sucks not defending him but I don't think you can steal from him then
0: right she could have made sure she had money before she told him she didn't want his money
1: is this the downfall of Rory I saw there was a YouTube video called the downfall of Rory I haven't watched it yet is this what they're talking about yeah it's just
0: this small part of this episode
1: (laughs) how could you Rory Afterwards, Dean takes her back to Yale, and she shows him around a bit. It's funny because he's like, "This campus is so huge," but she's like, just showing him that one courtyard was all seen. we ever see. Maybe that line was to let us know there was more to Yale <laughs> than this courtyard. It's
0: bigger than the alley he's been hanging out in.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Rory almost seems drunk. I-, I don't know. I mean, it's possible she finished that beer that was in front of her, which was big, and she is small, and she doesn't drink much. And, and she hadn't eaten all day. She might be tipsy from the punch still. Yeah. I don't know, she seemed to be sober once they got home?
1: Well, the conversation might have sobered her up a little bit. She seems a little drunk, which to me indicates they were having a really good time, so maybe she did drink, because sometimes she drinks if she's having a good time with her friends. Yeah. Uh, And it just seems like, when you say drunk, it almost seems like they're being a little flirty?
0: Yeah, I was like, is she going to let him into the room? Yeah, totally. I'm sure you were wondering how that was going to go. But I feel like she wasn't going to. Like She kind of stands in the doorway and closes it in a way that isn't like, maybe you're coming in.
1: Totally. I think, though, that like if this situation was different, and let's say he was not married, Mm -hmm. then she might have been like, do you want to come in for a funky monkey? Right. Which is a sex move, I do. Not to me. (laughs) Not now. You get the the regular monkey (laughs) until the podcast is done.
0: I don't want to explain, what, but <laughs> could be. I have some theories. But
1: you have theories about what the regular monkey is or the funky monkey? The regular. Right, 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 right. The non-sexual regular monkey. It's just,
0: I sleep next to you and it's there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not that funky. But. Monkey. It's the monkey. Anyway, I'm trying to be serious right now. Um, so the night's over. She's at her door. Like you said, there's this like almost a feeling of like, is she going to like invite him in? But then she turns around and drops the question so how are you here? Like, where does Lindsay think you are right now? And he's like, out, doing stuff. And she's like, what stuff? He's like, doesn't matter. But before Dean can, like, really go into that, Jess, like, shows up. Uh, And he doesn't doesn't like seeing Dean there. Obviously, that, like, rubs him the wrong way immediately. And double, obviously, it rubs Dean the wrong way.
0: Lindsay's always rubbing Dean the
1: wrong way. (laughs) That's the problem. That's why he's out. Yeah. She's definitely getting the regular monkey most of the time. (laughs)
0: But Rory shoos Dean away.
1: Yeah. Well, Jess just walks over to her and he's like, I need to talk to you. He's like yelling, essentially. Like whenever Dean's around, he either is silent or has to yell. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I need to talk to you, Rory, please. Like it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but like I'm not. Like He's like super like at 11 already. And Dean's all like, what's going on? And Rory, like you said, shoes away. He's like, well, Dean, you got to go. He's like, I'm not going. And she's like, please, go. And so he leaves, angrily storms off.
0: Very Buffy to Riley. I got to talk to Angel. Sit here.
1: Oh, yeah. Even though she shooed Dean away, she's like not happy to see Jess. She's sort of like, why do you keep coming into my life? Jess is just, like, asking her to run away with him, but, like, almost demanding it. He's just, like, in her face, like, almost yelling, just being like, come on with me. Come to New York. I know you want this. And she's like, no, I don't. He's like, I know you do. And she's like, I can't. He's like, yes, you can. Look, you're already packed. You're ready, and I'm ready. You can count on me now. I know you couldn't count on me before, but you can count on me now. You can. You know we're supposed to be together. I knew it the first time I saw you two years ago, and I know you know it too. This, like, desperate plea he's got is just, like, so aggressive, but also, like, painful, I feel like, for Jess. Obviously, it's painful for her, because she's just like, no, 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 go away, no, no, no. Finally, he's like, don't say no just to get me to stop talking or to go away. Only say no if you don't want to be with me. And so she says no again, and Jess just, like, shuts up, shuts off,
0: La 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 la,
1: and just like walks away to Lalas. Yeah, not happy Lalas. No. But what do you think of this scene? I feel like if one thing, if he came in and was like, "Rory, like I want to run away with you," but he's just like, "Run away with me! Come on, let's go, let's do it! No, don't say no. We've got to go. You know you love me."
0: Yeah, I'm torn because I, I think what I've learned is that Jess. Doesn't use half-hour drives to think of what he's going to say. <laughs> yeah. And in this episode with the swan problem, yeah. he gets to Emily's house late and like doesn't have a story. I'm like, you had that whole time to come up with a lie. If you're going to lie to her anyway, come up with a lie during that time. Don't just say, I don't want to talk about it. That's going to piss her off. And it's a similar thing where it's like, you clearly went there with this like grand gesture in mind. But you didn't really have a plan for the specifics, and you came at it, like, so aggressively. And I think had Dean not been there, it maybe would have gone differently. Like, Mm -hmm. in his head, he's like, I'm just going to go there and, like, say what's on my mind and tell her how I feel, and it's going to be great. But I think his, like, emotions got shot through the roof because of, like, the rage of seeing her with Dean again. Yeah. And he knows Dean's married because of what he said in the store. Right, So I think it just like he got off on the wrong foot with his speech. But at the same time, he should have like had a bit more of a plan for this.
1: Yeah. So there's so much about this that's so interesting. So on the one hand, he's like, let's run away together, which is so like Rory can't. She wants to go to Yale. Yeah. And he says like we can start over new. We just can't do it here in Stars Hollow. And it's occurring to me right now that maybe the big reason he can't do it in Stars Hollow is because Dean's there. Because it's like, you know, this thing with Dean's never going to end. Like, I'm always going to be worried you're going to fall for him or he's going to be trying to steal you away from me. Dude's married, but he's over here at night, you know? Like, you said, you're so on point when you're like, you know, you didn't think of anything. He's just like, I don't know, run away. He could have said, like, we could get jobs doing this, this, or this.
0: Yeah, like, I've thought about it. I think you'd be really great at this. Yeah. You could go to school in New York, you know? We could live together. Like, make it seem romantic. You just, like, yelled at her. Yeah. What do you think went wrong that he learned from these books how to be in a relationship with Luke, but not with Rory?
1: Well, I mean, I think he's hurt Rory in a lot of irreparable ways. Well, when I say irreparable, I feel like there is a way to fix it. But it's, I mean, I've said this to you before. Like, he needs to apologize. Yeah. And he, like, half apologizes by saying, I know you couldn't count on me before. That's, like, admitting fault. Mm -hmm. He needs to say specifically what he did wrong and apologize for that. And then also be like... I don't want to do that to you in the future. But but also, it's just sort of disrespectful to Rory because he's like, I know you want to be with me, and maybe she does. I do feel like some part of her does want to be with him. He
0: specifically says that they belong together, which yeah. is maybe true. You know, like, they have similar interests and, like...
1: I think their attraction is beyond just... I feel like it almost is, like, two kindred souls.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But they don't want the same thing
1: right now. Exactly. And he's not respecting her choices to go to Yale, and part of it might be that he just doesn't understand the sacrifice and effort and work she's put into achieving this goal. Right. So it doesn't seem as big a sacrifice as far as he's concerned. But he needs to understand like what a sacrifice he's asking of her on a whim. And it's really disrespectful to ask that of her without acknowledging that. So it's tough. I don't I don't know. Like that's not what Rory's life is. Like there are different places. She's not the type to run away. But I think it's different because what he wants with L- Luke he can have because he doesn't need Luke to change his life. Yeah. I mean, i really with Jess's main flaw is here. He's not willing to make the same sacrifice he's asking of Rory. Yeah. He could say, listen, I can show you that I can be dependable. I will move here. I will make that sacrifice. I don't want to live here, but I will until you're done with Yale. I have hope that Jess will change. I have seen pictures from seasons coming up, and I feel like this is not going to be the case. But I feel like Jess could change, much like Chris changed, and he could learn to make sacrifices to be with Rory. And that's what I hope, because I think she should be with Jess.
0: Are you team Jess now?
1: Yeah, I'm team Jess now.
0: Between the two choices?
1: Between Dean, Graham, and Jess, I'm going to go Jess. Okay. And whoever this fucking dude is that's putting his head on her forehead in some photo I saw on Netflix.
0: Yeah, Brian's real preoccupied with some blonde guy he thinks is going to be important.
1: Yeah, you fuckers know who he is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm mad.
0: They're Gilmore Slayers.
1: Yeah, I just, I saw So Netflix, for a year in the life, for the longest time, the cover was just like Lorelai and Rory, which is pretty spoiler free, other than I know Lorelai doesn't die in season six, <laughs> but then they recently changed the photo to one of Rory just like very intimate with some guy, and I'm like, okay, well, she's dating him around then at least. Oh, Brian. Anyway, I've talked this one to death. So, Stacey, what did you think of this episode? You think it was a good one?
0: Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was great. Oh, um, the wedding's beautiful. Luke Mm -hmm. and Lorelai's, I guess, first date. The dance is iconic. When he walked her home was so sweet. Yep. Oh, and Jess was a lot. Like that, it was intense. And like, what are you doing? And I I don't even really know that I fully understand. I mean, we 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 talked through it a bit, but like, I don't I don't know why he made that choice. It was silly. But the hurt that he had in his face when she said no, and he was just like, okay, she she said no. I guess that's it. I'm going. I thought that was just really well acted. And the Luke and Jess moments, so nice. The hug. I, I don't necessarily remember that ended in a hug, but I was like, this is better freaking end in a hug. This is so cute.
1: Yeah, I mean, he can repair his damaged relationship with Luke because, like, yeah, he's not asking as much from Luke.
0: hmm And they're similar people.
1: Yeah, totally. Like, I feel like Luke gets Jess a lot of the time. hmm
0: Yeah, it was kind of just, like, a fun town episode, too. It, it was, like, not really the classic town people. It was kind of strangers came to town. Yeah. But it, that, like, the wedding had just, like, the town feel. Yeah. Not the best Friday Night Dinner scene necessarily, but it had funny lines. We didn't get into a lot about the Emily and Richard situation, but I'm guessing we will in the next episode.
1: Oh, do you guess?
0: <laughs> I honestly don't remember oh, really? what they say about it in that episode, but there's no way it's nothing. I mean, you know what happens. I remember very well what happens the last 10 minutes of the finale, not so much the first part.
1: I'm excited.
0: Did you like it?
1: I did. I thought it was a great episode. I thought it was fantastic.
0: It was a great episode. It was really good. Okay, well, do you think Charmed is good this week?
1: Oh, dude. First off, Charmed's my favorite show, so yeah. And now, for a special segment we like to call... Meanwhile, Uncharmed.
0: Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us
1: have seen. But we're discussing it anyway.
0: Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed?
1: Meanwhile, on Charm Season 4, Episode 21, Womb Raider. Oh, my God.
0: I knew you were going to say that. When I typed this up, I was like, he's going to roll his eyes and say OMG.
1: Womb Raider?
0: You got a problem with Womb Raider?
1: Yeah, I do. It's dumb.
0: (laughs) This show's titles, they have a theme. It's always like puns on pop
1: culture things. Phoebe begins to exhibit signs of a violent hatred towards Paige when the seer plots to steal the cause and magically place it in her own body. Okay, so Phoebe is pregnant.
0: And she's mad at Paige.
1: I think the cause is like either the the cause of the end of the world or the cause of a utopia. It could go either way.
0: And she's pregnant with the cause?
1: Yeah. But it's supernatural, so it's, like, really making her, like, emotions all over the place.
0: Did we know Phoebe was pregnant?
1: I mean, I do, because I know Phoebe very well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I bet they went home and got it on after, like, thwarting the entire underworld last week.
1: Yeah, that gets me hot, personally. Thwarting the underworld? Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing that does it for me anymore.
0: I don't know. I'm not there for when you're getting done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You haven't noticed that I've been constantly thwarting the underworld when you're gone?
0: (laughs) But by the way, when you're pregnant with the cause, it, it happens really fast. Like, she's already very pregnant.
1: Very, very pregnant. It's been
0: just a couple days, but it's she's showing.
1: Showing. So much of the seer sees it, which doesn't have to be very much, because the seer sees a lot.
0: Okay. So, because Cole used to be part demon, yeah, and she's part witch, right. the universe chose them to be impregnated with the cause, uh-huh. which I think is, it's, it's gonna be a good thing, yeah. the cause. It's gonna achieve...
1: World peace. As long as it's in her body, but... Yes,
0: but the seer is a real nasty lady.
1: Yeah, yeah, It's a lady. Yeah, yep.
0: (laughs) It it is a woman. It says that. Who fancies herself the woman that's going to achieve world peace.
1: Yeah. She thought she had a plan for it. It's going to be bad, though. She can't see how bad it's going to be.
0: Her idea of world peace?
1: No, the cause is not going to work in her body.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, she fancies herself a nice lady, but just raiding a womb is not cool.
1: yeah. So uh, this whole... What does this
0: have to do with her hating Paige?
1: That's just... She's having some like... It's like a hormone thing. She's got the supernatural baby inside her, throwing her hormones into like all kinds of supernatural whack.
0: Maybe because Paige is like young and beautiful and Phoebe's starting to feel a little.
1: Causal.
0: Yeah. She's like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to. I'm just tied to home now because I'm pregnant with the cause.
1: I don't think they're gonna resolve it in this episode. I think at the end of this episode, the seer takes the baby. Magically. Yeah, 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 of course.
0: And Paige, despite being hated on all episode, is like i actually trying to help Phoebe, and Phoebe doesn't see that.
1: Yeah, Phoebe's, like, really mean to her the whole episode.
0: Paige is going out of her way to stop the seer from stealing the cause. The fuck? Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll see what happens in the conclusion of this season. Oh, the seer. Mm-hmm. This has been Meanwhile on
1: So then we watched the best episode of Buffy ever. Oh. Please tell us about Primeval.
0: Primeval is about the big battle between... Demons and humans at the initiative, which Adam has been planning for, and so has Maggie Walsh. Yeah. There's a big fight at the initiative.
1: I feel like a lot of this episode doesn't really make sense. Yeah.
0: Um, I I will have some questions,
1: but let's walk through it. Yeah.
0: Come on. Come along.
1: Come with us.
0: So you'll remember, the last episode ended with Riley showing up at Adam's place. I mean, Riley was in a dark place, but come on, Riley. Don't turn to the darkness. Turns out Riley isn't quite as in control of himself as he'd like to be, and basically doesn't do much of anything this episode.
1: So funny. It's like the writers were like, what if Riley just sat this one out and was quiet?
0: (laughs) He did a little too much last week. He's on an acting timeout this episode. (laughs) Turns out Maggie Walsh implanted a behavioral modification chip in Riley, not in his head like spikes, but in his chest, and it's tied directly into his central nervous system. When? When did she do this? Did, did he agree to be put under at some point?
1: I mean, anything his mommy wanted, he probably did.
0: Like, what did he think was happening when that got put in?
1: I mean, maybe he had to have his tonsils out at some point.
0: There was that time where he was in the hospital after getting hurt the season, but she was dead then.
1: Well, like I said, it could have happened at any point. They were putting drugs in his food. They could have, like, put drugs that knocked him out.
0: Did they slip a chip in his food? <laughs> and what was the purpose of the food vitamin slippage again? You'll see. Okay, that hasn't been answered yet? huh? Okay. Whatever. Adam tells him that this is just phase one of his preparation and that the chip was to lay dormant until the time came and Adam has activated it. Riley's like, shut up. I'm not like you. I'm a big, strong boy who thinks for himself. And Adam's just like, sit. And like the good dog that he is, Riley sits. Yeah. Adam says he's going to show him how to embrace his destiny and show him power he's never dreamed of and then goes on to reveal his whole master plan. Basically, demons just can't get over their old ways and whatever feuds they have, and they're not good with technology, and humans are much smarter and more adaptive, but they're emotional and weak, and something needs to be done about this, I guess. And Maggie Walsh had a plan to fix all this, with Adam and Riley, her two baby boys, fighting side by side. And Adam goes on to say that his plan for Buffy is to have her in the initiative when all the fighting goes down so she can make sure that as many demons die as humans killed by demons. It's got to be a close to equal amount, I guess. And Buffy's going to ensure that that happens. And Riley's like, no, you can't. And Adam says, stop talking. And Riley's like, you're right. Dogs don't talk. I will be quiet.
1: Except that's all just expressed in his face.
0: Yeah, he he just stops talking. (laughs) We'll get into the specifics of this plan a little later. At the moment, Adam notices a little flaw in Spike's part of the plan. Spike was supposed to break up all the Scoobies to make Buffy weaker, which he successfully did last week. But Buffy's only going to know that she has to go to the initiative when she gets the info from the discs that Willow's working on cracking. And if Buffy and Willow aren't speaking, Willow maybe doesn't have a ton of incentive to keep working on the discs, so Spike's plan maybe worked a little too good and Adam's pissed. So Spike's off to fix his mess. Willow and Tara show up at a very hungover Giles house. He's trying to pretend everything's cool, but like, come on. We all saw you, dude. You were wasted. Willow, in all of the chaos of the fight, left her laptop there. That seems unfathomable to me. Yeah. For one, it's by the door. Like, you'd walk past it. For two, she was in the middle of a huge project.
1: Yeah, which she's just abandoned? Like, a project that was saving lives... You know, not just, like, a fun project.
0: Right. And they didn't show her, like, storming out or anything. It just ended in the middle of the fight. And she had Tara there to remind her to take it. But that's why they're there. There's a lot of awkward tension in the scene. Not sure if it's supposed to be because Giles was a little weird about maybe finding out they were girlfriends. I'm not sure if he even remembers.
1: Yeah, he was super drunk.
0: Maybe they're just trying to suss out if he remembers. Mm. It might just be awkward because he's clearly hung over in a robe when they're not sure how to act. Xander's also not doing great the next day. He's still in bed. Anya drops by to remind him he was going to stop by the unemployment office, but he's not in the mood because he's starting to think maybe his friends were right about him being like a directionless loser, even though they didn't actually say that. That was all just like stuff implanted by Spike. But Anya snuggles up next to him and tells him that he's a good person and that she loves him. So whatever they think shouldn't matter. But it clearly does matter to him what they think. Buffy goes looking for Riley at the high school. Of course, he's not there. So she goes back to pout in her dorm room when she notices yet another photo from that professional friend photo shoot they had done in high school.
1: This is the same photo. It's not.
0: It's not. I looked at all three of them. It's different. This is the third time we've seen a photo like this. I went back and looked. They're all slightly different. Uh, It's the same outfits, though. Yeah. And they're similar positions. Like, it's kind of like Xander's, like, laying on Buffy's lap. I'll show you sometime. They're all looking slightly different ways with different faces. Mm -hmm. They clearly like shot a bunch of photos. I I don't know why it's just not the same photo every time. They're all so similar. It's funny. But it's still weird that this photo exists. Yeah. But Buffy decides to grab a giant purse and an axe and go take on Adam by herself. Seriously, the bag is huge. We never (laughs) see her put a single thing in it. Never find out why she needs it. She's carrying the axe. The bag isn't to hide the axe. She just walked down the hall of her dorm with the axe.
1: Yeah, what is in this giant bag? Is she going to put Adam's head in it? Is that the idea?
0: It's so, because she's like on her way to a fight. I'm like, this bag's going to be cumbersome. There must be like a reason she's got this huge bag. And it just disappears at some point.
1: Yeah, it's so big. It's like, if it's almost like Samuel was pregnant. And they're like, make sure you keep your bag with you so we yeah. can hide that you're pregnant. It's a
0: pregnancy hiding bag. But Adam's not in his cave. Adam is in a top secret part of the initiative.
1: Top, top secret is part of the initiative.
0: Yeah, it's more secret than the other secret places. And he's showing Riley the room where the new race will begin.
1: New race?
0: Yeah, okay. Only a couple people knew about the secret area, like Maggie Walsh and Dr. Engelman, who were there. Only now they're zombie worker drones. Not looking so good, Walsh. Adam says this is all how she planned it, except that she thought she'd be alive. And Riley's like, is this what you're going to do to me? And he's like, no, 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 baby boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just like Adam. Just sounds just like him. No, 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 <laughs> oh, baby boy.
0: We've got bigger plans for you. And then we see Forrest, also assumed to be dead. But now he's sort of a half man, half Adam type thing. He seems to be maybe only composed of one type of demon, though. Yeah. Still wearing a turtleneck. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> they strap Riley to this, like, experiment chair He tries to communicate with Professor Walsh, but Forrest reminds us that Mommy can hear you, but she's basically a walking corpse. Riley's like, uh, so are you. And Forrest is like, no, no, I'm surging with life and strength, and I'm almost as good as Adam, and I can't wait to beat the shit out of your girlfriend. He is loving his new bod.
1: Oh, yeah, he's loving it.
0: And he can't wait for Riley to not only be his fraternity brother, but his Frankenstein brother? As soon as they get some cool new demon parts. And apparently Professor Walsh can talk? She tells Riley to be a good boy and injects him with something. We don't know what this is. This has never addressed what he's been injected with.
1: It's a uh, COVID vaccine.
0: <laughs> Which he would not want.
1: <laughs> no!
0: But, right? They don't talk about it.
1: No, they don't. I mean, I'm assuming it's an anesthetic or something.
0: Okay. Well, it's very menacing, but never explained.
1: Yeah.
0: Buffy, in her hunt for Adam, runs into Spike. He's like, why do you have that giant purse? <laughs> Won't that be super cumbersome when you get to wherever you're going with that axe?
1: Can I just ride around in your purse so I can go out in the daylight with you?
0: He asks how it's going with the discs and lets it slip that he knows Buffy and Willow had a falling out. But Spike should not know this. He left before the fight went down. Spike? I thought you were smart. So a little light bulb goes off in Buffy's head and she's off with her giant purse to go make things right with her friends. She must go home, though, before her friends because we never see the purse again. Willow thinks she's on the verge of hacking into the discs when they seem to hack themselves? Why?
1: Well, because Adam's whole point was he wanted them to see what was on those discs. Okay. So he's essentially like, we're going to give Willow time to do it herself, but if she can't, it'll hack itself. That's
0: kind of what I thought. Okay. Then Buffy calls and assembles the Scoobies on campus to hash out their issues. And they quickly put together that Spike played them, but you can tell they're all still pretty in their heads and hurt, even though they agree to work together. Also interesting, Giles was wearing his earring in this scene.
1: Yeah, it was like an interesting, like there was an episode where he wore it when they like found him in public.
0: Yeah, he wore it to the open mic.
1: It's like weird that he's like, yeah, I just wear this now. Yeah,
0: (laughs) he didn't have it in the last episode. Yeah. Buffy assumes that Spike must be working for Adam and this is all somehow connected to the discs. Willow tells them what she saw on the discs, something about the final phase where Adam's going to make a whole bunch more atoms out of all the dead humans and demons and it seems like Adam's been convincing demons to get caught by the initiative so that they can start this war from the inside. My question is, where does Maggie Walsh's plan end?
1: And Adam's began. Yeah. uh,
0: Is this what she wanted? Did she want the war? Is that Adam's idea? Did she want a bunch of super soldiers that they made from humans they were going to murder somehow?
1: So let's break down his plan right now. So Adam's plan is to convince all these demons to get caught, so there's a ton of demons in the initiative. And then release them. So the human and these demons essentially just kill each other in this big battle. And
0: it must be a nearly equal amount.
1: Right. And he wants the Slayer there to, like, balance out the scales because the demons are going to overpower the human.
0: That's another thing, that Like, wouldn't the humans do okay? They've got weapons. The demons don't.
1: Right. There's just so much about this plan that is bonkers, insane, stupid. The
0: Buffy factor seems like so much worry. and It doesn't really matter that much.
1: Totally. Let's take one step backwards and say, maybe this justifies some of the shit Adam has said earlier because it just means he was lying to the demons about stuff. Because he just wants the demons to get caught and killed. Yeah. So yeah. maybe his stuff about, like, wanted to destroy all life was just bullshit nonsense. He was just saying whatever to get demons there. It's never spelled out, but that's what I'm going to guess is true because I, I, I don't know what the fuck Adam's plan is, okay? But Adam wants to do this so he could get a bunch of body parts to make his own Frankenstein army out of fine why doesn't he just he's like a control of like all of the doors and all of the electricity and safety and all that stuff at the initiative why can't he just like fill the whole thing with gas and kill everybody yeah, yeah. or just seal them all in until they die like you could just kill them all it's so easy to do it that way because
0: there's probably about the same number in there as each other if that's important <laughs> Seems
1: and if to be. you gas them all then you don't have to worry about the body parts not being intact
0: right some of those might get sliced off or whatever, blown up.
1: And sure, yeah, you're, it's true that you can't kill every demon that way, but then you can just go cell by cell and kill the de- Like, he's supposed to be, like, an ultimate fucking demon monster warrior. So he should be able to kill one demon at a time. So this whole plan of, like, it's just really inefficient and not computer-esque. And not the, like, grand plan of, like, a master computer mind. It's well, really Well, the computer part up.
0: is he shuts the power off. <laughs> okay. So I'm guessing Maggie's plan is to make super soldiers out of demon parts. Yeah. But, like, not kill anybody? Except maybe, well, the
1: demons? It's hard to say, man. I don't know.
0: I just have a hard time believing she would be fine with slaughtering humans. So I think she was going to, like, use, like, Riley as an atom type. I don't agree. No?
1: I mean, she was ready to kill Buffy. Yeah i don't think she had a problem with killing humans i think in her head it was like the, the end justified the means like a machiavellian thing
0: what's this rehabilitation layer like they were trying
1: to i mean they might have been testing out all kinds of things okay i don't know i mean we never get her plan laid out
0: and what was riley's role in her plan
1: i, I don't know maybe he was gonna be like agree to give some like graphs put on him or something i don't know why did adam kill maggie I don't know. It doesn't make sense, man. This whole season doesn't make sense.
0: That's what doesn't make sense to me. He's like, she imagined she would be here, except she would be alive. I'm like, well, that's your fault, dude. Like, why did you need, you killed her immediately. Did you even know anything when you woke up? He might
1: have. I don't think he knew her plan until, like, he put that little boob disc in.
0: It was just, like, for drama that he killed her. Yeah. It was, like, a big ending.
1: I really do think the actress had to do something else, and so they killed her too quickly. Like, they didn't have time to deal with it.
0: But she agreed to come back to be a zombie? (laughs)
1: She's like, I'm going to come back, but I'm going to act very minimally.
0: It barely even looked like her. They could have just gotten someone her shape and put prosthetics on her. Yeah. But Buffy also puts together that Adam wants her there to even the kill ratio. I I don't know. Does it need to be exact? Just, like, grab whatever parts. I I don't understand why that's, like, such an important part of it.
1: Yeah, and as I've already explained, there's more efficient ways of killing all of them.
0: Adam can feel that
1: Buffy is coming. That also doesn't make any fucking sense. (laughs) What? I don't know.
0: Spike's like, cool, that's fun. Take my chip out now, please. And Adam's like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, not till Buffy shows up.
1: Again, great Adam.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Back at Giles' place, they're trying to come up with their own plan. Giles says, well, there's certainly no lack of supplies. Only wish I knew which ones would kill Adam. There's like five supplies. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like a table full of a couple weapons. But he says that like, well, we've got this armory and a bushel of bombs. Yeah. No, you've got like four sticks on a table.
1: I said this in a previous podcast, but I wish they made like a point of saying, yes, Adam's got this power source, but it's like nuclear, so we can't just blow it up. Because honestly, the way to stop Adam is to just blow him up.
0: But Buffy reminds us that his power source is uranium power core. Thanks, Jonathan. Willow suggests they use magic to take it out, and they all kind of laugh. Willow, you're so dumb. But wait, Giles pitches perhaps a paralyzing spell, but this needs to be spoken in Sumerian, which he can speak, but it needs to be done by an experienced witch, and you need to be within striking distance of the subject. Xander jokingly pitches that they just Captain Planet their powers together, but turns out Giles doesn't think this was such a dumb idea.
1: And it's really cool when Captain Planet does show up. It's like, (laughs) nice.
0: Earth. Spoilers, they end up doing this spell with Willow being the experienced witch. But is she more experienced than Giles? Yeah. I I feel like we've seen them do about the same amount of spells.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've shown Giles earlier in the show doing spells, and he's, like, really not that good at it.
0: Okay. But Willow's also done spells badly.
1: Yeah, but I feel like she's done more badly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think the show has suggested that she is a powerful witch, but also, like, very in training.
1: But it doesn't make sense to me that, like, Giles wouldn't have learned some magic i feel like it's this incredibly powerful ability that you can do
0: yeah like he's maybe not a witch witch but he's got loads of experience doing this stuff
1: and it just seems like something that like watchers might want to learn if they're going to be fucking fighting the forces of evil
0: he also like hasn't trusted willow's magic in the past yeah well he does today so they confidently walk into lowell house well maybe not so confidently Xander says he's full of that good old kamikaze spirit. And Giles like, Xander, just because this is never going to work. No need to be negative. (laughs) Adding that the enjoining spell they're about to do is very powerful, but also very dangerous. Buffy punches through the mirrored wall and they rappel down that elevator shaft. Why? (laughs) Yes. Brian likes to point out, there are stairs.
1: This is the third time they've used the elevator in the show when they shouldn't have. In Hush, they made a point of saying that there are stairs that they can use in emergencies.
0: (laughs) Well... This was cooler.
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: Because Buffy and Willow use this slow little repel journey to mend their relationship further.
1: Super unbelievable repelling.
0: (laughs) She acknowledges that they've all drifted apart a bit, but she doesn't want that. She misses everyone and admits she's been too wrapped up in Riley, literally. Willow kind of apologizes for hiding Tara, but says she was so scared to tell everyone. That's understandable. Buffy's like, no, no, you can tell me anything. They tell each other they love each other and they hug, which is awkward in harness. And then Xander comes down, joins the hug. They're all happy and good. And then super strong Buffy makes the men pry their way into the initiative.
1: I thought that was so weird. It's like, what? Buffy could probably do this herself.
0: Yeah. But the initiative is waiting for them. Bunch of guns point in their faces. Spike and Adam are watching this on the TV. Is this how Adam knew Buffy was coming? He just saw it on the TV. (laughs) I can feel her on the television. Spike, again, is like, so about that chip, but Adam is still pissed. Buffy made up with her friends. How will she ever be able to kill exactly the same amount of demons as humans if her friends are with her? This is stupid. Like, yeah, Spike told him that her friends make her stronger, but she's still here. Like, they're just regular mortals. I don't know. See how it plays out, Adam? Are you really threatened by Xander? (laughs) Like, just because Spike said Buffy's stronger with her friends?
1: Well, you know what, though? To be fair, Spike's right.
0: Yes, but like... Just because Spike said Buffy is stronger with her friends, like, can he even trust Spike at this point? Right. It, I, don't, I don't know. It just seems so silly. He's like, my plan is ruined because Xander's here.
1: My intricate, nonsensical plan with so many plot holes.
0: Spike tries to run, but Forrest grabs him by the neck. And Spike's like, I really did try, though. And Adam's like, you know what? You're right. I will remove your chip. Forrest, take his head off. <laughs> but Spike burns his eye with a cigarette and manages to get away. And Adam just lets him go because he's going to just only run into the chaos at this point. The colonel, you remember the colonel, is rummaging through the Scooby stuff. He finds their magic gourd, which I guess they kind of use. I think it's just sitting in the room when they do the magic. Buffy tries to explain Adam's plan, that he's in the initiative, and the colonel's like, no, I know everything that goes on in here. I just got here a couple episodes ago after the other new guy quit, after that one episode, but I think it's all starting to make sense to me.
1: You'd think Buffy would be like, listen, dude, like, I was able to sneak in here multiple times. We might know our way around here.
0: (laughs) But this guy's got no plan. Well, they do. It's to go tase the shit out of him, which Buffy points out only makes Adam more powerful. She goes on to say that this guy, the initiative, the government, none of them have any idea what they're dealing with. He's like, whatever, lady, I'm the boss. And then the power goes off. Adam's controlling all this, of course. He opens up all the demon cages. They start killing the scientists. Colonel orders his boys to the armory, tells a few to stay back and keep Buffy and her friends under arrest. But Buffy just knocks those few out immediately. Willow hacks into the computer so they can find a nice, quiet place to do magic with their gourd near where Buffy's going to be fighting Adam. Meanwhile, we finally see why they needed this huge initiative space, so they could have a full-on war in it. There's guns firing, there's bodies flying, some kind of tentacle demon in the pool. I mean, pit
1: <laughs> spikes there. It's chaos. I kind of like this a little bit. Yeah, it's it, it's cool. It does seem relatively epic. Mm-hmm. I, if you compare this to like the graduation fight, I, this just seems like so much more chaotic and like apocalyptic than that.
0: Yeah, perhaps. It's pretty well choreographed.
1: Like bodies are getting thrown around. Different types of demons are there.
0: One of each mask that they had lying around.
1: Yeah, honestly, they reuse these a lot. In fact, we'll talk about it in a minute. There's one demon that was like, okay, you've died four times. <laughs> also, this is an idea that Joss Whedon clearly just reuses in Cabin in the Woods.
0: Oh, I, I, we have seen that. I just don't remember.
1: Yeah, in Cabin in the Woods, there's like a facility that has all kinds of demons yeah. in it. And at the end, they all like get out at the facility and they like start running amok. And that's, You're right. That's exactly what's happening in this episode.
0: Maybe that's better though?
1: You mean the movie's better? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like,
0: ah, I should fix that. I'm gonna write a movie. Willow on the computer has discovered a secret room right behind 314 that must be where Adam is. But it means them running through all the chaos. So they do. Buffy fights a bunch of demons on the way through. Xander's using a gun. Giles has his bag of gourd, which he uses to hit a demon that's (laughs) climbing on top of what looks like a vehicle that's used to move around folding chairs. What is that? (laughs) I
1: don't know.
0: Why is he on top of it? They make it. They find a secret passageway into the initiative. Xander tells Buffy he doesn't like the idea of her going in alone. And she says, I won't be. And then goes in alone. She sees Riley strapped to his little chair. Then Buffy notices all the crazy shit happening in this room. Adam reveals himself and informs her that Riley is part of the final phase now, as she was supposed to be. Buffy tells him she doesn't just jump through hoops on command, and he says, oh, kill her.
1: Okay, Buffy fans, help me out here. I feel like I remember this line. I fe- and maybe I'm confusing another line from a different episode, and you gotta let me know. I thought I remember her saying to Adam, this is the part where we usually do witty banter. And then he just looks at her and goes, oh, but doesn't do a joke. Am I crazy? Am I just mix matching like two different lines from two different episodes? Let us know. (laughs) I remember that line being incredibly funny. And this time it's still funny, but it wasn't nearly as funny.
0: Yeah. um, Send us an email with spoilers for Stacey in the subject and I'll forward it to Brian. Thank you guys. Because I check the social media. So make sure if, if it's spoilery, give me a heads up. But Brian wants to know. It's, it really bothered him.
1: I was like excited for that line. And then I was like, oh, it's different than I remember. I mean, it was like 20 years ago that I saw it, but.
0: So he's told Forrest to kill Buffy. Forrest is like, would love. Maggie Walsh comes at her with like an electric pizza cutter. What is their plan for Buffy exactly? Are they going to use her human parts?
1: I mean, those would be some strong ass human parts.
0: Would they be? Like, th- does the power of her exist when she's dead?
1: That's a good question. I don't know.
0: So Buffy and Forrest fight. Some glass breaks near Riley. That's important. Meanwhile, Giles, Willow, and Xander are beginning the spell. Something about invoking the power of the Slayer and all who wield it. Last to ancient first in their primal strength. We'll talk about this in a minute. They also each grab like a tarot card representing their strengths. One for Buffy too. Buffy's is the hand. And they ask the spell gods if they can inhabit the hand, meaning Buffy. But also the daughter of Senia, first of the ones. I've rewatched this scene like three times now, and you've told me some stuff about maybe what happens in the next episode a little bit. So I do get what's happening, but I maintain that on first watch, this is nonsense, and I had no idea what was happening.
1: Yeah, on first watch, this is absolute nonsense. I agree with you.
0: We'll talk about it more at the end. So Buffy's fighting Forrest. Riley somehow wills himself to grab some of the broken glass and dig the chip out of his body? Not sure how any of this makes sense. First, how is he moving now?
1: Is it willpower, I guess, is maybe what we're supposed to think?
0: When Spike tries to go against his chip, he basically can't. Like, it yeah. seems so painful that he yeah. can't even will himself through the pain, even if he, like, really wants to kill someone. Second, did you not hear the part where it's connected to your central nervous system?
1: Yeah, I feel like pulling that out maybe isn't a great idea. You're gonna
0: paralyze yourself, dude. I mean, I guess he's maybe got a chance it. It's, like, end of the world or not situation.
1: yeah. And maybe you could argue that the chip specifically was like, he's not allowed to talk, he's not allowed to stand up, but like, it doesn't say he couldn't move his hands.
0: He can't dig things out of his body if he wants to.
1: Yeah, Adam didn't specifically say not to do that. <laughs>
0: Zombie Engelman has recovered zombie Walsh. They and Forrest are all holding Buffy down. Riley successfully gets to chip out and comes to Buffy's aid. He rips these blood tubes out of the zombies, which I think was the only thing keeping them alive. And Buffy manages to kick a now distracted Forrest just kind of gently in the head, which really knocks him out. And Buffy's like, I got to go fight Adam. Can you handle Forrest, Riley? He should not be able to, but he says yes. (laughs) Meanwhile, the fight's still raging in the main room. Adam's loving it when Buffy sneaks up behind him. They fight a little bit. He's obviously stronger than her. He shows her his bone skewer, which she just, like, breaks off. He's like, no biggie, because he's upgraded his other arm to, like, a fire cannon. Why did he open with that?
1: Fire cannon?
0: Yeah, you saw it.
1: You mean the Gatling gun?
0: Sure. I don't know names of weapons.
1: Okay. (laughs) Well, it didn't shoot fire.
0: It uh, it looked like yellow light.
1: It's bullets.
0: Well, they were really bright.
1: Okay, sure, yeah.
0: (laughs) I don't know gun stuff. Okay, that's fair, yeah. But, but why are we messing around with swords when we've got fire cannons?
1: Well, those are new, to be fair. Yeah, but he
0: had them when she walked in the door.
1: He didn't want to spend the bullets. Okay. They tickle when they come out your arm.
0: Sure, and then he proceeds to shoot hundreds of bullets at Buffy, none of which hit her somehow.
1: Yeah, that's insane. I mean, okay, so the gun he has specifically is called... Uh, a. Gatling gun or a fire cannon, or a fire cannon, <laughs> um, I guess, uh, or a minigun. They shoot so many bullets, they set trees on fire when they're firing. I, th- he's also got like a computer programming brain. The idea, and he's like two feet away from Buffy. Yeah. The idea that he's missing her is just nonsense. She's fast. She's not as fast as this. That's not how geometry works. She's been training with Angel who can like yeah, sense yeah, arrows yeah. from behind. Yeah, he blocks Gatling bullets all the time too, yeah. The only thing you could argue is that Adam, like, does it, he's like, I have a Gatling gun, she doesn't, so I'm not actually worried about hitting her, this is just sort of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe he wanted to talk first.
1: Yeah, or just sort of like, yeah, I'm just gonna casually shoot this towards her till it blows her away, because I don't give a fuck. That's the only thing that makes sense.
0: Well, Buffy dodges thousands of bullets and leaps behind this computer console. And right then, the spell is activated. Whatever they've conjured inhabits Buffy's body. Her eyes go, like, orange. She starts speaking Sumerian in, like, this weird combo of all their voices. And Adam's like, interesting, and starts shooting her again. But now, his gun doesn't work. There's, like, a force field around her that repels all the bullets. But, uh-oh, the demons are trying to break into the door of the spell room. And, uh-oh, turns out Riley can't fight for us at all.
1: <laughs> I mean...
0: But, hey, Forrest, have you met oxygen tanks? <laughs> Riley starts beating him with one, which Forrest eventually grabs and holds up a little too close to a sparking wire Buffy pulled down earlier and blows himself up. Oh, Buffy, you and your loose wires. <laughs> He's done this before.
1: Yep, to the snake.
0: Adam's like, what the fuck? Why can't I kill this bitch? I worked so hard on this arm. And then one of his bullets turns to
1: doves? That's not normal. It was a missile. Was it? He shoots a missile at her and oh. it turns to a dove. Very versatile fire gun.
0: Then Buffy kind of waves and makes his arm retract. So they switch back to -to hand-to-hand. She's much stronger than him now. He's like, how? She says, you could never hope to grasp the source of our power. And then she reaches inside his body and grabs the source of his, and uh, he dies.
1: Absolutely gut-wrenching.
0: Yep. You didn't lie. (laughs) I was like, everyone's going to die. But no, just Adam and other people that we don't care about. And then the power cell just kind of floats up and out of her hand, and then there's some more chanting and it, it disappears. Riley has showed up now. He's like, "Whoa, mama!" <laughs> I don't think he said anything.
1: <laughs> "Whoa, mama."
0: All of his lines. Yikes. This episode, <laughs> all of his lines this episode were, "Mommy, OK, <laughs> Buffy." It's probably, I think that is what he said. I think he says, Buffy. Uh,
1: my chest chip."
0: The spell breaks, right as the demons bust into the room.
1: Riley falls out of love with Buff. <laughs> oh, Oh, a- you meant the spell. Okay.
0: Yeah. The spell breaks, right as the demons bust into the room, including Spike. He's like, whoa, look at that. I saved you guys. And Giles is like, shut up. We know you tried to get us all killed. And then they don't kill him.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, Giles is like, you only did that so we don't kill you. And he's like, yeah, well, did it work?
0: I guess. Buffy and Riley come out. They're all psyched that this all worked. Spike's, like, trying to pretend he's on their side. Riley's like, we got men out there. And Spike's like, yeah, yeah, let's go get (laughs) him." He's on his own side, I guess. Like, whatever benefits him at the moment. Right. So now he's sticking with them because it seems like the way out. Not sure why Buffy's not killing him, though, because she doesn't know that he just saved them.
1: Right. I mean, in the same token, he's not physically harming humans. Right. I'm not team keep Spike alive because, like, they should have killed him a long time ago, but. Sure. So
0: they head out to the fight room to finish the war, which is being narrated over by that man from the TV in Washington last episode, saying that the initiative was an experiment not only controlling demons but in harnessing their power for the military, but they've decided the experiment has failed because, you know, their prototype took over the complex and 40% of their men died, and pretty much everyone would have died if it wasn't for a deserter, Riley, and some insurrectionists. You said you thought Graham died, but I'm pretty sure they show him climbing out of the elevator. Yeah, he
1: gets, like, tackled or something, but I guess he didn't die.
0: Yeah. He goes on to say that Maggie Walsh's vision was brilliant, but ultimately insupportable because demons cannot be controlled. So they're going to terminate the project and cover everything up.
1: Fill it in with cement.
0: Yeah, and, like, also cover it up in the papers and stuff. Right. Um, That's it.
1: Well, there's a couple more things. That guy who was the general gets killed, which was like, we all saw that coming. The colonel? Yeah.
0: Maybe I missed that. I remember him fighting. I don't remember seeing him die.
1: Yeah, he's like by himself in a room and gets killed. And specifically, there's this demon. I said there's like a demon that we see get killed like a bunch of times. The demon that Spike kills is this like werewolf-esque demon. That's also the same demon that like another soldier kills. It's also the same demon that, like, kills a scientist when the demons first get out. It's also the same demon that, like, killed the colonel. It's clearly that they're just like, uh, maybe there's a lot of these.
0: It's Tom Cruise. They had to pay him a lot to be in it. So <laughs> yeah. He, had, he wanted to be in a lot of scenes.
1: And you gotta wear this mask. I gotta wear a mask?
0: So I guess both Grams escape. <laughs>
1: you mean the Gram from Gilmore Girls? Yeah. It's the same Gram. He's just pretending to go to Yale. Really, he's <laughs> the initiative.
0: So, Brian, is this a good episode?
1: So I feel like this isn't a good episode in the grand scheme of things. It is an episode where a lot happens. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of plot stuff gets ramped up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I liked it a lot more when I rewatched it because like some stuff made more
1: sense. And I think there's some really kind of fun epic moments. Yeah. Like, the big fight is, there's not to make fun of with the initiative, and I'm here to make fun of it all day and night, but I do feel like when the chaos finally goes down, it's sort of fun to watch. Adam's plan is dumb and bonkers and, like, does not make any sense.
0: I think it's all interesting. Like, the idea of making super soldiers, like, yeah. the government doing that is, like, fine. Yes. But, I mean, we, we talked about it a bunch in the middle. It, it, there's just, like, so many unanswered questions.
1: And so many just, like, logical flaws in Adam's plan yeah that it's just like yes the idea of these super soldiers is a cool interesting idea but like the idea that this like demon like has this plan but he's also super smart it doesn't make sense
0: it's just such a large scale too and i don't know that they really had the budget to execute it as well as an hbo show could have you know
1: and the final fight between her and adam honestly is just pretty whatever
0: and okay so i was just so confused like I understand that the next episode will maybe go into a bit more what Mm -hmm. this spell was. Yeah. But this spell in this episode is super vague. Yep. I have no idea what they did. Why Buffy was suddenly able to overpower Adam.
1: Well, they sort of suggest... Well, they said they're going to join the four of them together in Buffy. But
0: Xander's nobody.
1: That's the thing. Like, and you get the idea that like Willow will be able to cast spells because she's a good spellcaster, but also like additional spells because she can be doing them in Sumerian because Giles no Sumerian. Mm -hmm. But yeah, why is Xander there? For his military help?
0: His card is the heart. And there's a couple times in this episode where they show he really cares about them.
1: I know, but how does that help during a fight?
0: I don't know. It doesn't.
1: <laughs> so I agree that that's just sort of nonsense. And then they like invoke the first Slayer and stuff like that, And then It's sort of like, well, can you tell us more what's going on?
0: But yeah, that first Slayer stuff, they never talked about other than during the spell. Yeah. So I'm like, who's Sienna? I don't know what that is. So to me, it was just like, Oh, okay, they they did a spell that made Buffy like weird and possessed, and she suddenly could just overpower Adam no problem? Right. I don't know. I, I felt very
1: unsatisfied after watching it,
0: but after talking to you a bit and watching it again, I appreciated it a little more.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's spoilery to say that the next episode does address some of this stuff.
0: It makes sense. It's a season finale. Yeah, the...
1: and it is interesting, right, that the big fight was not the last episode of the season.
0: And this episode felt very much like, well, that's it for the initiative. We won't be talking any more about that. Right. But it didn't feel like the season's over. Yeah. Because we didn't hear from Buffy.
1: The next episode is just them going back up the elevator shaft and like working out their shit. It
0: takes a while. Yeah. So it was fine.
1: Yeah, it was fine. It was definitely like interesting and I was excited just because it's wrapping up the season arc. But at the end of the day, I don't think it was a great episode, honestly.
0: It was weird that Riley was like silenced. Like it would have been nice to see him be a bit more of a hero. Yeah. He killed Forrest, which I guess is... Symbolic.
1: I mean, it's heroic that he, like, ripped the thing out of his own body to save Buffy. Yeah, but.
0: yeah. Forrest is so weird. He's just like, I need you to take Buffy, man. I mean, Forrest went from, what kind of vaginas are you into, Riley? Let's talk about it over lunch in this cafeteria.
1: Yeah, you gotta be banging all these ladies. <laughs>
0: to, like, oh, man, I think you should really go after Buffy. You guys seem great together. To, like,
1: I want to kill your woman in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> Such a dramatic arc for Forrest. I I never really liked him. Well, I mean, I think we have to be fair though, because I feel like Forrest did have reason to hate Buffy. Oh, for sure. You know, I think he was wrong, but not like there's you can understand why he felt that way. Yes. And in the end, when he's like, I'm gonna kill Buffy, is that really Forrest? Do you know what I mean? Like he's part demon at this point.
0: He wanted to kill her before.
1: Right, because he thought that she killed Maggie Walsh.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it makes sense.
1: So, but my, I guess my point is that when you see him at the end, I don't know that you could be like, oh, that's Forrest. It's like, yeah, that's Forrest after a lot of modifications.
0: I think I don't like the Forrest that we met. <laughs> I'm fine with Forrest hating Buffy all along, but just mm-hmm. the fact that he was like how he was in like the episode where we met him. Oh yeah. That was all very weird.
1: So I will, here's what I'll say. Okay. This episode wasn't that great, but I do, I am really excited for the next episode. Cool. It is a little bit cheesy, but I still really like it. Okay, which episode did you think was better? More Girls. I thought that when I first watched it, and I was right.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> thought you maybe were going to say Buffy. Because right after we watched it, I feel like you, you really didn't like the way it ended with Jess. I didn't. And I had like some immediate gripes with Buffy, and you seemed very defensive. And I think it's because you know what happens in the next episode. Yes. I was like, well, I don't. So yeah, this totally. was weird, and I have no idea what just happened.
1: I mean, I think I was upset because I was like, oh, Jess is turning a leaf. And then he was went psycho in the last couple of seconds. And I'm like, well, that undermines all the feelings I had.
0: Yeah. I still think that Luke's desire to change is still kind of abrupt.
1: I totally agree with you. But
0: let's just assume that's been happening half the season. This episode itself was very nice.
1: Right. And that also started in the last episode. So you can't blame this episode for what started last episode.
0: Yes. And while what Jess did was insane, it still was like a good scene.
1: Yeah. I think we can both agree that the better episode was Gilmore Girls.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: anyway, if you guys want to watch along next week, we will be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer season four, episode 22, Restless.
0: As well as Gilmore Girls season four, episode 22, Raincoats and Recipes.
1: In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, did Adam's plan make sense to anybody? If Could you write it down for us? What was in Buffy's purse? Do you really think it was okay for Rory to, like, order a bunch of food with Graham's money, even though he had offered to pay for her to go home?
0: What do you think Jess would have done differently if Dean wasn't there? It's a good question. Thank you. We'll end the questions now. (laughs) But let us know what you think. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more.
1: Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y, Stacy with an E-Y.
0: For more bonus content, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly livestream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, BTF.
1: hey yo. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy.
0: If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios.
1: And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast.
0: All right, Brian. Let's crack open that special wine, pop on those season finales. Mm-hmm.
1: And regular monkey.
0: Definitely no sex.
1: Regs, monk.
0: We can't do full monkey for months.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot.